We continue our time of worship, digging into the gospel now. Our gospel text for today is from the gospel of John chapter 8, and I'll begin reading in verse 48. As you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word He will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself and my glory is nothing, it is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old and have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to you. You may be seated. We begin a new series today. And how perfect is it, not because of my brilliant planning, but because of God's timing, that we begin on Holy Trinity Sunday and addressing the very nature of who God is revealed to us. And so over these next several summer Sundays, we'll using our small catechism, or as sometimes called the simple explanation of Christianity, we will uh, endeavor to come together and discuss and hear from God's word about these chief parts of our faith in Christ. If you don't have a small catechism, or uh, you can access it easily online, we also have extra copies on the counter today, and we will begin in the creed in the weeks ahead. But today we begin in this topic of an understanding of the Holy Trinity. Before we dig in there and and hear what God has to say for us from John chapter 8, I want to invite you to uh, do some imagination with me. And we'll do it in a very post-2020-like way, right? Where uh, we imagine uh, one of our most deepest relationships being formed and introduced first 
through an app, right? Then from that app and that introduction, uh, the conversation might continue by text. And as it flourishes, maybe you'll go on FaceTime, right? And as you get to know each other, maybe it even grows to a Zoom meeting, right? And as that connection and emails exchanged over cyberspace continue and deepen, maybe even a proposal will ensue, right? Of course, over Zoom. And then after that glorious yes, and you plan to celebrate that special day and maybe even go on a honeymoon. Maybe you'll buy a new realm on Microsoft's Minecraft to play together, right? And go there for your honeymoon. Sounds a little fanciful, right? And as great as technology is for keeping keeping us connected, it, it falls short, doesn't it? And when it comes to our most important relationships. There's a separation. And now I'm not talking about technology because some of us have kept our relationship with God like that, with something in between, at arm's length. Maybe we've made God out to be a a philosophy or an idea, and we've made Christianity out to be a set of rules and axioms. As we endeavor to ask what is Christianity this summer, we'll explore it intellectually and historically and spiritually and most importantly, existentially. What does it mean that God really exists and he's with us, that he's incarnate? You see, God came and dwelt among us. And from the very beginning, he didn't want there to be this thing in between us and him. And so what did God do? He didn't put a technology in between us. He came himself. And although Trinity Sunday is the only celebration on the church calendar that's not related to a date in history, but rather a doctrine of the church, I know some of you historians are thinking, well, what about the Council of Nicaea in 325 where we dealt with the Trinity or the Council of 381 in Constantine where the Nicene Creed and was finalized? Okay, But this is about a revelation to the church. A revelation of who God is as Trinity. Our task today, my task today, and many of us preachers uh, feel uncomfortable on these Holy Trinity Sundays as if we were to take on the task of explaining the mystery of the Trinity. When we do that, we we often do things like like St. Patrick did. We'll use a three-leaf clover, or maybe we'll talk about H2O liquid ice steam, or an egg yolk, and white, and shell. And then often we'll be on the verge of an ancient heresy trying to do that. The point and the task that we have before us to receive from Jesus, and particularly in John chapter 8, as we encounter the three in one, 
is not to so much explain it, but see how God has revealed himself in his glory. For Jesus said in Greek, ego, I, me, or I am, taking us all the way back to when God introduced himself and said, I am. And so today we aren't invited to just explain the Trinity, but to know the Trinity. I like how one uh, Lutheran pastor put it, the, the doctrine of the Trinity attacks our preconceived notions of, of who God is and how he reveals himself to us. Are we going to receive him as he comes to us? Or are we going to make God out what we want him to be? Not unlike this conversation that we hear Jesus having in John chapter 8. And I hope you'll get the fuller context of that conversation and debate by reading the whole chapter maybe later this weekend. Because Jesus here as we parachute into this text today beautifully and honestly in some ways especially when you read the whole context, brutally and honestly compares what the teachers of the law believe with what he knows. And there are some tough words among them. Drawing on deep theological and historic references. And of course it begins as we come into the text with some name calling, right? If you understand the situation between uh, Jews and those in Samaria at the time, to call Jesus a Samaritan was a real slight. He was being attached to these folks who, some would say, practiced magic. Those who would dishonor God. He must have a demon. And Jesus will not stand for Not only the name calling, but the lie. And so in verse 49, when they called Jesus a demon and a liar, he says, no, I honor and keep my father's word. You, he uses that same word for honor and it's negated in the Greek and he says, you dishonor. A contrast of his truth to their lies. They wanted to be in control, like we do. Keep in mind, these were people that Jesus loved. Keep in mind that these were people who Jesus called earlier in chapter 8, people of Abraham or people of the promise. That they would receive this gift, but that they kept rejecting it. Because we like to be in control. Thomas Jefferson, who... We beloved and who all of us in this room have been blessed by his thoughtful work in our history. Of whom we'll celebrate his work on the 4th of July, right? Just a couple weeks away now. He had trouble like these teachers of the law did as well. He had trouble confessing or believing what a scaffolding, as he called it, that he just couldn't hold on to, which was the Trinity. And so he rejected it and even edited a version of the Bible, uh, editing out those 
hearts that seemed too hard to believe, ending up making the Bible a list of axioms and rules to follow. Instead of entering and encountering the very nature, the very presence of God. Oh yes, even the best among us have trouble with this. And so the, Jesus reveals this further in verse 50. When he talks about the idea of God's glory being revealed vividly. And he draws back on some Old Testament understanding that the folks who he was in conversation with would have picked up on. That Jesus is referring to God's visible glory like that that they saw on Mount Sinai when God's glory was before Moses. Or that which we heard in the scriptures we'll hear on Mount Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah show up with Jesus. And God's glory is being revealed. And of course, Peter wants to kind of take control of the situation and start opening his mouth and say, well, we should do this. Missing part of the point, of course. We're so quick, we want to take control of this revelation. But ultimately, God reveals it in a way that none of us expected on Mount Calvary, on the cross. And in this audacious way, which only later will God's people come to understand when he talks about life eternal as he rises from the dead. And so when you see the glory of God vividly revealed, most ultimately, it is through the Son, Jesus. And through the Son, we see the triune God. Not as uh, one Trinitarian uh, heresy would suggest, and some have applied it into like Jesus only outside of the Trinity, but no, as a revelation to the very nature of God. When we see Jesus, we see the Father, we see the Spirit. And so verse 51 begins, in English we translated it truly, truly, but it's amen, amen. That means something important is coming. The theological has come to life. This vivid revelation connected to earlier in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 3, verse 18, where we believe in his name. You see, to know Jesus, we discover here in this text, in this conversation, is to know Yahweh. And so God exists in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's your theological trivia word for the day. Theologians call that perichoresis. Maybe you can use it in Scrabble. But anyway, to know Jesus is to know God. To know Jesus is to know the Father. To know Jesus is to know the Holy Spirit. And this is the vivid revelation to us. Inseparable God is. God reveals himself in this relationship. And no wonder we hunger for relationship as people made in the image of God. No wonder we hunger for community as God exists in community. No, no wonder then if Jesus is Yahweh, if Jesus is Lord, then it changes everything in our lives. 
And it means the significance of this, these relationships with our fellow members of the body of Christ are all that more important. Our relationship with the Lord our, and his lordship on our life, our relationship with one another and serving and supporting one another in Christ and our relationship with those in the world who do not yet see his glory or know him and our call to share it. In verse 52 and 53, Jesus makes it crystal clear. As the teachers of the law say, are you saying that you're greater than our father Abraham and the prophets? And basically he says, well, yes. I am. And they don't miss it when he says that. They know what he's saying. What you heard Devin read, the Lord your God is one. Jesus is saying, that's me. I am drawn back to when God said to Moses, I am. When God revealed himself, I am. You can't ignore it either. The Jewish leaders responded by picking up stones. You see, I can't help but be drawn back to the challenge that C.S. Lewis gave us in Mere Christianity that in this moment, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. And if he is Lord, then all of these relationships matter and are consequential in a way that are well beyond ourselves. They have consequence and meaning because of what God has done. He is Lord. How is he Lord the everyday part of your life? Is he Lord of your finances? Is he Lord of your family? Is he Lord of your friendships? Is he Lord over your fears? Is he Lord in every aspect of your life? Is he Lord in binding us together as a body of Christ? And is he Lord, is your heart burned to share this revelation with those who don't yet know him? He goes on to let us know without equivocation in verses 56 that on the, the day, my day, he says, Abraham rejoiced. He's referring back to and giving us inference in the time of Abraham when he received the covenant and the stars of the sky and the grains of the sand will be your descendants. There's will be rejoicing, but not just on account of your descendants. There's a Jewish uh, Mishnah or tale from their or, oral tradition. And this oral tradition or fable, if you will, as it's told about Abraham, Jesus uh, may just be picking up on something that they would have known uh, what he's talking about here when he says, Abraham rejoiced. You see, uh, as this story is told in the oral tradition, Abraham was given a vision at the time of that covenant at, after having known that God would provide the sacrifice as he did when Abraham offered his son Isaac, after 
Now, seeing this vision complete, God gave him the vision of seeing the coming Messiah. And so, in this oral tradition, Abraham didn't just rejoice, he danced. Hey? And so Jesus is saying, on that day, this day, my day, he says, Abraham rejoiced. He's letting us know that he is the one true God of the covenant. Before Abraham was, I am. God's promise is fulfilled. His very nature revealed. So what is Christianity? What is the Trinity? Rather, who? Revealed, visible encounter with the triune God has come to us most vividly in Christ. Today, we're not talking about a problem to be solved doctrinally and resolved, but a relationship to be had. I spent some time reading some of the historic Trinitarian heresies this week and was tempted to take time uh, spending uh, with you about why they're wrong, whether it's modalism, the idea that God actually is just in three distinct modes, that's not right. Or subordination, it has all kinds of different uh, subcategories that the, the members of the Trinity are not equal. Or tritheism, that the, the divine nature of God is actually three divine beings. And there's all kinds of subcategories of those three major heresies. But really, the point of today is not to discuss or debate those heresies of old that seem to recycle and come back among us today, but to remember what God has, in fact, revealed, showing us his glory. A God who is holy for us. I like how Luther put it, one God, one God who has given himself all holy and completely with all that he is and has. As Father, he gives himself to us with heaven and earth and all creation made in order that we may be blessed and live in the abundance of his creation. But that gift has become corrupt, hasn't it? obscured because of the fall of Adam, because of our sin. And so holy and completely he comes to us as son, subsequently gave himself and bestowing himself upon us to deal with our sin. And so he suffered for us. But that grace needed to be experienced and extended to all. And so that we might know personally the father and his gifts, then he would send the Holy Spirit who gives himself to us wholly and completely in us. Friends, we have a God revealed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three in one, vividly coming wholly for and completely for you. Not under our control, not under our preconceived notions, and to our surprise, most vividly on the cross. He is for you, not holding back, not putting anything in between as our Lord and therefore community with the Lord 
is essential in our everyday moments of our lives. Therefore, community with the body of Christ is essential part of life. And therefore, picking up your cross and following Jesus into your daily work, revealing in his nature to the world is essential part of life. Hear that word from Deuteronomy one more time. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Oh yes, Abraham was dancing when he saw the coming of the Messiah, the great I am on his day. And we can rejoice with him now. God provides the sacrifice. Jesus is risen. The Spirit has come. Vivid revelation of the great I am. Therefore, an inseparable God, wholly, completely for you, means you, you are worthy to be loved. And it's called you now to be children of the promise. It's called you now made in the image of God, to share this love and this revelation wherever you go. Amen.